0: Now, Anthony tells me that uh, you're usually out by 12:30. Is that correct? Anybody here at 12:30 usually? So that would be correct. OK. Well, this morning, I want to thank you for allowing me to come. I am the district minister. I've been doing it, I think, now for about six years. Uh, the last two years have been full-time. Before that, I was three-quarter time pastor, three-quarter time district minister. Um, that's what they said. Uh, I've never been real good at math, but it seemed like a full-time job to me, but uh, our district does include uh, the states of, let uh, see if I can get them all here, uh, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Indiana, so currently. Uh, there is some things that we will be sharing, I'm not going to give you the conference report this morning because it's Mother's Day and we should focus on mothers, right? So we're going to do that, but next week when I come back, I want to talk about community, and I want to talk about all that God is doing and the people that God is bringing in and through us. And I'm going to make a request of our worship team, the song that was sung this morning called Scars. Uh, We're all going to sing that next week, okay? Can we do that? I just said we would, so all right. So, okay. The reason why is that it's such a fitting place for uh, the, what I want to talk about next week. Uh, there, there's a phrase in, in uh, the Japanese philosophy, actually, that's called wabi-sabi. How many of you have ever had wabi-sabi? Huh? It sounds like something you should eat, but it's not. It's, it's actually the, the, the idea of embracing that which is flawed. And to me, it just speaks about the type of community that God wants. And so we'll talk a little bit about wabi-sabi next week and what God does for us, and that's called kintsugi, okay? So I've got some words to introduce to you next week, and I'll actually bring a piece of pottery that'll kind of explain it just a little bit more. But this week we want to talk about mothers and how important that is to us and how blessed we are and how God intended for them to interact with our lives, Uh, But before we begin, you know, I kept seeing all this stuff on TV about uh, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Anybody else see anything about that? Yeah? And they had a little boy by the name of Archie, and then he's got this long title afterwards, right? And you know what everybody's concerned about? Is whether or not he has red hair. He has his cap on all the time now. Nobody's seen the color of his hair because, of course, his dad's a redhead and, and Megan's well, she's not. And so what color of hair will Archie have? And today we're going to talk about a redhead as well and his mother. But I guess need to check out something first. This is for my own personal benefit, for my marriage, actually. Can you help me out? So my wife insisted that we go on to the royal registry... And we select a gift. And we narrowed it down the last time I heard to a silver rattle and some gold plated safety pins for his nappies. And we were going to send one of those to the couple. Um, which did we decide on anyway? Do you remember? Both? Oh dear. All right. So, how many of you felt compelled to send them a gift? Anybody? A card? Anything? Okay. Very good. I won. All right, so <laughs> how many of you forgot that it was Mother's Day and will admit it? All right, one honest soul up front here. Very good. How many of you guys have ever shopped at the convenience store uh, to find a card last minute or to buy a Snickers bar or a Twix? There it is. Okay. Something just to kind of cover your basis to say, of course, I was thinking about you but you know I often wonder about these holidays that tell us to honor our mothers and our fathers and I'm wondering why does it have to be two separate days because I know that it is very very difficult to raise a child all by yourself isn't it but today we're going to celebrate mothers because we know that the next holiday will be Father's Day as it should be All right. well today we're gonna talk about Mother's Day and we're gonna look at Psalm 139. How many of you knew that David was a redhead? Didn't you know that? Yeah. David had a mother who was the second wife of Jesse, and we don't even know her name. But through some of the extracurricular kind of things that we can do, uh, we found out that her name was Netzavet. How's that? Huh? We'll just call her Nettie, if that'll work for you. But Nettie's not even mentioned in the Bible, and the only way that we kind of have a little bit of a connection is that in 1 Samuel eleven eleven, it talks about a man by the name of Nahash who was an Ammonite, and that's not a Mennonite, okay, that's an Ammonite, okay, and he came against one of the cities, and King Saul had to be summoned in order to take care of that quell that came up. And then the next thing we know is that Jesse has a wife who used to be the wife of this Nahash the Ammonite. And now we find that Jesse has all of these beautiful sons. And then the way that David is described is that he is a person with ruddy complexion. And he has red hair. And he has often been kind of singled out by his brothers. In fact, it says that when Samuel went to to call out the next king, that Jesse brought all of his sons, the ones from his first wife, but left Jesse, or left David, out in the field because he kind of figured that maybe he wasn't maybe of the stature that Samuel the prophet was looking for. And it says, of course, we know that David was then selected. So how is it that David was known as the person who had a heart for the things of God? How is it that God captured his heart? I believe that it began with his mother. I believe that the the tradition and the way that children were brought up and the nurturing that took place and the teaching that took place in the home had to be the root of David's heart. Because here's what I know. Many of us follow God because we're either afraid of Him or we're madly in love with Him. You're going to fall in one of those two camps, right? I know that I grew up with fear. I was afraid of God because I'm not perfect. That's usually when Esther says amen. I was just waiting, yeah? In fact, last night I even had a dream about this whole thing, about not measuring up. Does anybody else have dreams? I think as you get older, you remember them sometimes a little more. It's what wakes you up. But I was climbing a ladder. I was supposed to climb a ladder. And there was this angel, and he gave me a piece of chalk. Now, it's not a normal piece of chalk. It was more like a tree stump, okay? I had to carry it under my arm. And he said, every time you sinned, you're to make a mark as you climb up. And eventually, you'll get to heaven. That's what I had to do. And I thought, boy, this is going to take a long time, because that ladder went way, way up into the clouds. And I climbed, and I climbed, and you know how it is in your dreams. It just seems like it's just taking forever. And I was not making much of a dent on that stump of chalk that I had. And then all of a sudden, I saw somebody coming down the ladder beside me. And I got excited. You know, there's something new, right? Right? And I thought, who is that? Who is that? I noticed that they had a bald head and youthful and good looking. And it was Anthony. (laughs) Right? Yeah, you're Anthony. I think I was thinking about coming here to preach and getting to meet Anthony and Rhonda. They're good friends, etc. And I we we finally got level there, and and Anthony didn't have anything in his hand, but his hands were all white, so I knew that he'd had the same assignment. And I I said, Anthony, where are you going? We're supposed to go up. And he says, I know, but I ran out of chalk. So, (laughs) anyway. (laughs) This idea that we have to somehow or another make sure that the scale tilts towards our direction is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so today we want to look at that just a little bit. But I'd like to open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, today as we look into your word, It is our desire that we would understand your heart, that we would understand how precious you are to us and all that you have done for us. And we ask, Father, that as we do that, that we would, in fact, get a glimpse of the deep love that you have for us. We ask in Christ's name, amen. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalms 139. And while you're doing that, I'll just kind of remind you you know that the DNA of God's covenant people uh, when they were brought out and when they received the Ten Commandments they were, they were on two tablets and on one side of that one tablet was uh, basically uh, commandments or covenants that they were to keep the, it was about God, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall not make for yourself carved images you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain the fourth one, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy and then there's a shift It goes over to how we relate to one another. So on the one side, we have how we're to relate to God, and on the other side, we talk about how we're to relate to one another. And it starts out with, honor your father and your mother. And you know, when I was growing up, my dad would also often quote that to me, right? When I was getting rather mouthy with my my parents or being a stubborn or whatever, my dad would often quote that. You know, and the rest of that verse is that you are to honor your father and mother that it may go well with you, right? The idea that, that you are to respect your parents or God will get you. But it's more than that. It's so much more than that. In fact, it's actually part of what is called the Shammai. Uh You know, Jesus was asked one time, he said, what is the greatest commandment? Remember that? And he replied to them, he says, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Right? You remember that? And then he goes on and he says, and the second is like unto it, that you are to love your neighbor as yourself. The Shema is actually a prayer that the Jews would recite both in the morning as well as in the evening. And it came from Deuteronomy chapter 6 where it speaks about that, that you are to love the Lord your God with all of your might and then you are to teach your children. You are to instruct your children about the Lord. It is the requirement of what we're supposed to do as parents, is to teach our children about who God is. And it's not just the Ten Commandments, it's his very nature. And then the second part of the Shema is Leviticus 19.18, where it tells us that we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you are then also to love your neighbor as yourself. It was these two things that Jesus responded to. It was shorthand for all of the Ten Commandments. You are to do these things. And Jesus often also said, he said, said, if you love me, you will do what? You'll you'll keep my commandments. It's this idea that here are the things that you are supposed to do, and if you love me, you will do them. But I'll tell you something, it's not a requirement, it's not a sense of, of duty so much as it is out of actions of love i tell you, we got married some t- two years ago. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. And, um, you know, when we said our marriage vows, you know, we promised that we were going to love, honor, and obey. You know, not, not to obey. She didn't want that part, right? That, that we were going to stay faithful to one another. That be, we did this because it was an act of love. We loved one another. And I remember, it was early on in our marriage, maybe the second day, I don't know. But uh, we had a, a laundry hamper in the corner, right? And I remember taking off my socks, and what do you do with your socks, guys? You turn them inside until you get a little ball, right? Yes? Confessions, anybody else? And if the laundry hamper is in the corner and it's open, what do you do? You get two shots if you wear both pair, right, you know? And I was doing that, and I missed because I'm pretty lousy at basketball. But it was okay because I got it close to the laundry hamper, and I learned right away that my, my wife found that disrespectful. Not that I, didn't, not that I was shooting the, the clothes at the hamper, but that I didn't go and pick them up when I missed. I expected her, she thought, to pick up my socks that didn't make it into the hamper. Now, to me, it's not a big deal, right? But it was to her. You know what? It's my goal now to hit the hamper every time, right? (laughs) Not that we couldn't use the exercise of bending over and picking stuff up off the floor, but because I love her. When I don't do that to her, I'm showing disrespect. And so Jesus, when he says, if you love me, You will love me by keeping my commandments. You'll do as I have done. This idea that we do it out of love rather than out of fear. This is what makes the difference. And in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, it speaks about the idea that when we're around God, when we're close to him, that we are going to do those things that please him. Galatians chapter 5 earlier in this uh, passage it speaks about all of the things that are part of our flesh and now it's speaking about if we are Christians and the Holy Spirit dwells within us that we will have this fruit of the Spirit this idea that it'll rub off on us this idea that we will be filled with love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control it says against such things there's no law We do these things because we see God do them. And the idea that we're imitating those who have gone before us. We are to be imitators of Christ. As parents, it is our desire that our children will imitate us, right? Do you remember as you're raising your children the first time they copy you? Isn't that fun? Now I've got grandchildren. And my daughter-in-law is not amused when I try to teach her some, some things that we say in the Dakotas, right? Like, you betcha, or what the world. You, know, you guys say those things? I was up in North Dakota for a while, and it may be part Canadian, I'm not sure. But anyway, she didn't think it's very funny, but I think it would be great, you know, for my little granddaughter to start talking like Papa. But she doesn't think so. And so today... We want to remember that we are ambassadors for Christ. And we train our children to be that ambassador as well. So let's go see what this redhead man has to say about God. Here are some of the things I think that he learned from his mother. It begins by saying, O oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before, such, uh, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high, and I cannot attain it. This, this last verse in verse 6 where he says, the knowledge is too wonderful, I can't even contain that. It's, it's just above what I can believe. The idea that God knows everything about you. It says that he knows your thoughts. Now that's just not fair, is it? I remember as a child, my brother went walking across the living room and he went out of his way to step on my foot. It wasn't an accident, right? Right? And my mother evidently could read my thoughts, because as I was getting ready to get up off of the couch, my wife, my wife, my mom, looked at me, and she said, don't you do it. How did she know? It's one of the mom's super gifts, I think, right? They just know things. It says that he had been searched by God and God knew everything about him when he sat down and when he rose up. It says you're able to discern my thoughts from afar. It says you search my path, my lying down. It says even before a word is on my tongue, you know it. This is how much God knows you. What's left? Everything that you've done your habits, your thoughts, your, your intentions, your ways is all known to God. It's completely revealed. Is that fair? Is that fair? You know, yeah, Esther and I, when we got married, you know, okay, it's going on 41 years now? I thought it was 42, it just seems longer. Okay, um, but 41, okay? And I remember her dad was actually the pastor that married us, right? And so you're standing in front of your future father-in-law making these promises, right? And I thought, you know, we haven't a clue what's coming in our life. And here we are making promises that when things go bad, we're gonna stay together, right? In times of good, and times of not so good. All of these things we promised in sickness and in health. We We hadn't a clue what we were making a covenant to, did we? But what if you know, i got all these scientific things right now today, right? What if there was really a time machine or something and Esther could go back now and tell that, I don't know, how old were you, 12 when we got married? Because I'm not that old yet. But Okay, 19, okay, yeah. And whisper into that 19-year-old every rotten thing that I was going to be doing in the next 41 years, right? I often wonder, would she say yes? If she knew everything, that I was going to do? Every rotten thing that I was going to do? Every thought that I didn't even speak? Guys, we know that there are times we keep our mouth shut, we think things, but what if my wife could know every single thought that I had about her? Would she still say yes? You think so? That's good, because, no, wait a minute, you got the keys. Okay, anyway. <laughs> This is what God knows about us. When we talk about salvation, when Nettie was talking and raising up David, the idea that God knows everything about us and still chooses to have a covenant with us. Think about that. We're good at hiding things from one another. I wore a suit coat today because, well, it, it hides a multitude of sins, right? Yeah. But the idea is that we we often don't want other people to know where we've come from or what we've been thinking. But what if you serve a God who knows every single thing about you and still says, I want to be with you. And when you think about David and all the stuff that he's done, how many of those 10 commandments did he break? And yet it says that God still loved David and David still loved God. He says, you know everything about me. It's like if God was was putting us on a scale. David said, there's no way I wouldn't get zapped, right? But yet, it says, I can't understand it. Your knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high for me to attain. The idea that you know me this well, and you still choose to be in the same room with me. This is our God. We don't obey because out of fear because he already knows everything and he's already said, I still want to be with you. If you get nothing else out of the sermon today, hold on to that peace that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. That God knows everything about you and still went to the cross for you. He knew what you have done and what you will do. And it was why he went to the cross. And for me, there is this moment that perhaps you heard about a couple of weeks ago when Jesus was on the cross. Remember that? Yeah? And he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you realize that that moment in history when the curtain was torn from top to bottom that at that particular moment, that instant in time, that Jesus took all of your sins, past, present, and future, all of my sins, and he made atonement for us. Why did he go to the cross? Why? Because he knows everything about us, and he still loves us. That's pretty incredible. That's incredible that God would do that. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment, but then it kind of goes on, and it says that. Uh, by the way, that was uh, God's power—that the all power, the all-knowing of God. This is the omnipresence part of it, where we understand that God is everywhere. He says, "Where shall I go from Your Spirit? Or where shall I flee from Your presence?" If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Don't forget that verse. Even there, even wherever you are. When I was in college, we had a young man show up on campus. His grandfather was dying and he was hitchhiking from the east coast back to to Sterling is where he wanted to go. Yeah? Because he wanted to get there before his grandfather passed away. And he showed up on the campus of Sterling College. Yes, that's where I attended. All of you Tabor fans, please don't stone me. That's where I went. And this young man said, I need to get to the hospital to see my grandpa. Can you give me directions? Sterling, Kansas doesn't even have a hospital. When college was out, I think there were 400 people who lived there in Sterling. That was a very small place. A truck driver had said, I can take you to Sterling. I'm gonna drive right by you. I'm going to Lyons, Kansas. And he dropped him off at the city limits of Sterling, Kansas. The only problem was he wasn't in the Sterling that he wanted to be at. He needed to go to Sterling, Colorado, which is a little further west he was in the wrong place it says that even when I have gone so far away it says even there your hand shall lead me I will give you directions from wherever you have been and wherever you are right now and my right hand will hold you this idea that God is willing to take us where we are and hold us And give us purpose. He says, I will be with you. Let me read it for you. He says, your eyes. I'm sorry, I'm skipping up here. He says, even there your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. And if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. And the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. You know, sometimes when we have shame, we try to hide. And God says, You know, it just doesn't work. I see you. I know what you're doing. Growing up, we used to have a neighbor next door. I won't tell you her names because Mrs. Oaks wouldn't like it. But she was convinced that her job was to spy on me. Yeah? And she would always tell on me. And I. One morning, I don't know what I was doing, but all I heard through this screen in the window, I couldn't see her face because of the sun, but all I could hear was Mrs. Oak saying, I see you, and I knew I was already in trouble, right? Yeah. So this idea that God can see us wherever we are, that we cannot hide, and yet he says, I know where you are, and I will lead you from where you are. He says, you know, I saw your inward parts when you knitted me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. This is the power of God to create. He says, I see your works, and my soul, he said, knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand because when I awake, I am still with you. This idea that God ordained our days, that he is powerful enough to create not only our bodies but also to place us where he wants us and when he wants us. You are not here by a mistake. David had no choice on who his parents were but God placed him where he wanted him. And he placed you in this generation for what God has called you to do. We're not here by mistake. It is God's power that is at work within our very lives. Each and every one of us has a purpose for why we are here. You know, I was thinking a little bit, and I'll share just one little quick story about what's taking place here in the Central District. How many of you are familiar with the, the Congo? That's the DRC right there in the middle. And over a hundred years ago, the Mennonite brethren sent missionaries to the Congo to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. And by the way, I appreciate all of the support your church is giving uh, to the missions that are taking place all over the world. But over a hundred years ago, we sent missionaries into the Congo. And now the Congo is the second largest conference of churches that we have. They're larger than we are. in fact. India is actually the largest conference that we have. They have outgrown us. And now there are some people who are coming from the Congo because of some persecution. Uh, for example, the guy on the right there, his name is Claude Tambatamba. I wish they had a cool name like that, right? I'd love to be called Claude, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, Claude is actually, he was persecuted. Uh, he was left for dead. Uh, he has uh, an incredible story, but in his body, he carries around with him a lot of pain, even to this day, the things that he went through because of his faith. And now he's here in the United States. He's in Sioux Falls, and he's planting a church there, and they're already up to about 150 people. Not only that, he's planted two churches, uh, two in Kenya and two in Uganda. And he goes back at least once a year to go back and to train and to teach uh, the pastors there. Last year he went back with, uh, uh, what? No, Aaron Myers. Aaron Myers uh, works with the Crescent Project, training people how to reach the Muslim people. And he went back and he spoke and he trained over 160 pastors who came back in that area. And then Claude was responsible for teaching uh, those people. Another part of the story is that there's a man over here on the left. His name was Henry Nagalo. And Henry is uh, actually uh, the the marketing director for Costco. And he came to the United States because of the ministry of one of our leaders there. His name is Nazuzi in the Congo, and he was mentored by Nazuzi. Niz- uh, and now Henry is here in the United States in Dayton, Ohio. And he is planting Mennonite Brethren churches from our work as the Mennonite Brethren in the Congo. And now there's 34 churches that are going to be joining, or we think they might be joining, the Central District. Yeah? And by the way, those churches spread from the state of Maine all the way through to South Dakota so I think my territory might increase I don't know I could be cool to be able to put my toes in the Atlantic but here's the deal these two men went through what they went to because God placed him where he placed them. and because of that God's word and God's ministry is continuing to grow and it's the same for you and me We can complain about where we ended up or how we ended up or whatever it might be, but do you understand that God's power places us here for such a time as this, as Queen Esther was told? The idea that we are not here by mistake. So the question is, what will we do about this knowledge that we have about God that who knows us completely, who understands our ways, who's willing to take us from wherever we are? Well, David says, you know what? Knowing all that I know about you, I choose to stand with you 100%. Now, David, he kind of goes into it. He says, oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God, right? How many of us have prayed that prayer, huh? Yeah? Wouldn't it be good if God just kind of struck down everybody that was evil? Wouldn't that be good? Nope, I don't think so. (laughs) I think we've all sinned and fallen short. But the idea was that he says, I'll stand with you. He says, your enemies will be my enemies. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Now, that's not a good Mother's Day verse, is it? We're supposed to play nice. But David is basically saying, you know, if you are the creator of the universe and you love me completely, where else would I go? I stand with you. And that's the choice that we have to make, isn't it? We have to make decisions about where we will stand. We make decisions about how we will educate our children and what we will tell them about our God. Will we tell them that God is a God to be feared? Or will we tell them about a holy God who still loves us completely, who sent his son to die on the cross for us? Will we tell them about the heart of God? Or will we tell them about the letter of the law and how we have to behave? This moralism is not going to get us into heaven. We have to understand that we are saved by faith and not by our behavior. That God loves us even though sometimes we've been scoundrels in the past. God knows everything. And he still chooses to offer us a place into his kingdom. For it tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For our sake God, that's the he, made him, that's Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. This exchange is what I'm sure that many often talked about to David. A God who said, even though my people have gone astray, I still choose to have a covenant with them. It's what Jesus tells us as well. That even though we are broken, we know that God seeks us out. For Jesus says, I came to seek, and to see, seek, to, seek to who, right? The sinners, those who are sick, those who are without a shepherd. Jesus says that I have come to do these things. The idea that Christ would become sin for us, that he would take our spot, this atoning thing for us, this sacrifice you know, I know that my mother made a lot of sacrifices for me. And yours did too. And she deserves more than a mug, right? She does. She deserves your honor and your respect and your prayers as she continues to also live out her faith as she goes through time. But the idea that God would send his son because of his great love for us because as the passage that we've probably have heard many times and seen at many football games is John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We're already condemned. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Jesus Christ came into the world because we were already lost. We were already condemned. We were already worthy of death. And it says that God so loved the world that he sent his Son. The question is, how will you receive that? Is it just fire insurance for you? Or is it a desire to live your life wholeheartedly towards Him? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might? And as Jesus requested, if you love me, will you live your life as I have lived mine? You know, I know this can be a very tough season for many of you. I know that there have been mistakes that we've made as parents. I know there are broken relationships in your world. I know there are people that you are interacting with even today. That the relationship is not good. But God has called us to be his ambassadors, to go out into the world and share this good news about who Jesus Christ is. And I know how difficult it can be. But God has placed you here on purpose so that we might, in fact, be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Because we don't know how much time we have with the people around us. I'll tell you that when I agreed to come today, I had mixed feelings. I truly did. This is Mother's Day. And this is the first Mother Day, Mother's Day after the death of our daughter Tanya. Yeah. This mug is here because she gave it to Esther three years ago on her birthday. Yeah, And you know, we didn't expect her death so soon at 38 years old. But looking back, we know that we shared the love of God with her. We know that she responded, and we know that we live by faith. And when we stood beside her, beside her casket, we knew that she wasn't there, not because of her good works, but because of who she had faith in. We trusted the God who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And as David said, when I awake, I'm with you knowing that when she closed her eyes here, that when she opened her eyes again, she was with Jesus. And I've often wondered, if we knew how much time we had with the people in our lives, would we work harder at the relationships in order to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ? Would we say thank you more often? Would we appreciate those who have sacrificed for us and gone before how would we live? Well, the answer is found for me in Psalms 139. If God loves me this much and knows me this well, should I not then be as He has been, to love others as He has loved me? We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.